and every one of you out there in Radio Land to the 115th episode of the Throwdown Thursday Podcast. My name is Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I am here live in front of a taped audience at Castle Wolfenstein. And I am here, of course, with my co-hostess with the mostess, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. I smell like pickles. Okay. <laughs> you may wish to see a, a health professional for that. No, remember earlier today? Yes, I you spilled the pickle juice. A jar of pickles, but I failed to open up a jar of pickles, but somehow ended up with pickle juice in my lap. Yes. It was lap juice. Who stole the pickle from the pickle jar? It was me. <laughs> was it you? Yeah, it was Actually, you. no, okay. it wasn't me because I couldn't get the goddamn jar open. She got it open enough to spill on her, but not enough to get pickles out. So I'm like sitting in the lab all day and they're like, what smells like pickles? And I'm like, it's me. <laughs> Everybody was calling you pickle pants. <laughs> uh, we are, of course. Was the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> oh, that Jesus. pickle in your pants are happy to see me. Oh, my God. <laughs> We are, of course, also... What's the uh, dill, yo? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next, Johnny? Actually, uh, it is Johnny. Johnny Wolfenstein, the hardest working man in podcasting. He is our producer for this and every episode. How are you doing today, Wolfie? Uh, I'm well, and I did not spill any pickle juice. I actually just had some uh, spicy dill uh, chips, though. Oh, nice. that sounds good. And uh, we are joined today by a returning guest. He is... One half of the Best Darn Diddly podcast. And having him here is like having, you know, not having Miles with him is like a bowling ball without a liquid center, which is like a boy without mischief. It's like a, a mule with a, without a spinning wheel, a Q without a U. Ladies and gentlemen, Richie the Whiz Kid. I don't think I could have put it any better myself about myself. There you go. Thank you very much for that lackluster introduction there. I'm just going to go cry in a corner now. Goodbye. Although, unlike the mule with the but spinning yes, wheel. But yes, I am half of the best art. Oh. oh, sorry. I was going to say, unlike the mule with the spinning wheel, we know how we got you. And we're dang sure we know how to use you. Ooh, I like the way this conversation's going. <laughs> And, uh, you, I, I interrupted you. Well, you were about to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel like this Wi-Fi that I just got is not serving me too well right now. I feel like I'm on a little bit of a lag. But that's just like normal for me because I usually let Miles do the talk and I lag behind him a little bit. So this should work out great. But yes, I do a Simpsons podcast review with my friend Miles. We review an episode in order each and every week. And right now we are in the middle towards the end of season six. So make sure you check us out on bestdarndiddly.com. And thank you very much for having me on today. Oh, we are very excited to have you on today because uh, this is uh, definitely within your scope of expertise. Because today we are going to be yes, talking, yes. talking about uh, Princess Tia Beanie from the Matt Groening uh, created Netflix exclusive Disenchantment. Uh, which, if you have not seen it, I strongly suggest that you give it a, a, a look-see. 
it's on Netflix. There's ten episodes. Uh, all episodes are on there now, so you can binge it straight through. And uh, I don't want to get too far into it because, you know, that's going to be the, the meat of our conversation. But, uh, you know, this got us thinking, you know, because we, we do that. We we try occasionally. Um, Buh? <laughs> 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 um, it got us thinking about some. Sniff. <laughs> about some of our other uh, uh, favorite spin-off shows, uh, you know, not necessarily spun off directly from, you know, like the Cleveland show directly spun off from Family Guy, but maybe a show that's inspired by or done by the same creator, you know, like how American Dad is by Seth MacFarlane the same way uh, Family Guy is. And because of the success of Family Guy, he was able to do uh, this this other completely opposite, in many ways, type of show. Um, it's so about it, a family. Whoa. Yeah. An so American different. Family Dad Guy. So different. Um, but we were thinking about some of our favorite, um, you know, spinoffs. And uh, I know, Ashes, you had a, a couple of thoughts on this. I did. So and I do. Give us uh, some of your thoughts. Okay. Well, so being actual spinoffs, a couple of my favorites are Pinky and the Brain, which is a spinoff, a direct spinoff of Animaniacs, and Daria, which is a direct spinoff from Beavis and Butthead. I really didn't watch Beavis and Butthead, and we actually talked about uh, Daria sometime last year yeah we had a really good discussion about daria morgendorfer um she's kind of crucial to my my middle school years and growing up and stuff (laughs) um yeah i i i i was her for a brief period of time um but kind of keeping in the theme of shows that were maybe inspired or have similar writers creators um Parks and Rec. I love Parks and Rec. And Parks and Rec was inspired by The Office. And it was supposed to be more like The Office. And and it kind of was when it started out. And then it kind of morphed into its own thing. Um, I love the characters of Parks and Rec. I think Andy Dwyer and April Ludgate are my favorite for for reasons. Um, and those are two characters uh, we will probably cover on the show at some point. Oh, yes. oh, we, we definitely will. Uh, Janet Snakehole and Burt Macklin, Macklin, FBI. FBI. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, those are just some of my favorites. What about uh, you? Well, I was actually going to say the uh, Office slash Parks and Rec uh, because I, I enjoyed that. I also like shows that are based off of... Well, you can say The Office in general because The Office, the, the American version of The Office is a spinoff of the... Well, that's where I was going to say, yeah. like, you know, I like shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is a spinoff of the British show. Yes. And you get, you know, uh, Ryan and um, Colin, Colin Mockery. Mockery. Yes. Yeah. Ryan Stiles. Ryan Stiles and, and Colin Mockery. And Greg Proops was on that quite a bit um, on the British version. And then they... I mean, Wayne Brady way back when... Yeah, I mean, that's where he really got his claim to fame. So, 
you know, I liked those, you know, those types of things, you know, getting to see the original version and then, you know, and then you can kind of branch it off into movies where, you know, spaced because spaced was a thing, you know, you got most of that cast into Shaun of the Dead. Well, I mean, if you're going to talk about movies, then look at all of the SNL movies that are out there. You know, we just uh, talked about Wayne's World. Yeah, there's like not 60 of them, maybe three good ones. And Coneheads, um, Night at the Roxbury. That's probably Superstar. my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them. Ladies' right. man. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Stuart saves his family. It's Pat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not all of those were good. They're not all winners. No. Uh, Richie, how about you there, buddy? <laughs> What's a couple of yours? Well, I mean, I honestly, as I just recently, like within two months ago, rewatched all of The Office and Parks and Rec because that's how much fun they just are. And, and the Parks and Rec, I think, discussion just on any individual character would be fantastic, especially like Andy Dwyer since he was only supposed to be on the show for the first season. But I think the most obvious, one besides the route you may take later would be Frasier, right? Oh, like, yeah. Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers, and, like, it was on for so long, and it was so smart at a time where there weren't a lot of smart comedies on TV. So you definitely have to remember Frasier. Yeah, I had to get my Simpsons semi-tie in there. Oh, yeah, because, you know, you had the, uh, the episode with uh, David Hyde Pierce playing Sideshow Bob, uh, Sideshow Bob's brother, Cecil. And there's even a disclaimer in the middle of the episode, you know, Frasier is a hit show on ABC just because they were essentially playing <laughs> themselves. But, yeah, we actually mentioned Frasier off the air and then I totally forgot about it afterwards. Well, and I think because Frasier was so successful, I didn't watch it. I think it was just it, I, I was too young for it and it was way too smart for me. But um, my parents, I like I grew up with my parents watching Cheers. But I think people you, you forget because it's because Frasier, Frasier, Frasier was so successful. You forget that it was a spin-off. there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, exactly. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, they used a few of the jokes you know, from Cheers, you know, that were fairly successful, but they kind of twisted them a little bit for Frasier. It was few and far between, but they did it every now and then. So, um, yeah, I think those are definitely some, uh, some good ones. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else, like, off the top of my head. I mean, obviously, we mentioned, you know, Simpsons, Futurama, Family Guy, American Dad, The Cleveland Show. Um... I can't think of any, like... I'm trying to think there's any more obscure cartoon references we can throw in here. I mean, you know, you get Tiny Toons and Looney Tunes, but that's really, like, a more of a reimagining, you know, and there were a couple of characters... Hey, like, Tiny Toons was the shit, my friend. Oh, it was. But it wasn't necessarily a spinoff. <laughs> you know, does it count as a spinoff if it comes yeah. 60 years later? Um... Well, I don't know. At the rate The Simpsons are going, every spinoff after it's going to be tied into it, so yeah... Yeah, I mean, it does. If it's still going and you're still getting new episodes, I guess that counts. You know, I mean, everything. Pretty much every every animated TV show that's come out since you know 1989 really does have some roots in The Simpsons. So, 
And there are talks of current shows that are ending soon having spinoffs like Game of Thrones. Breaking Bad's another one. You break, yep. Better Call Saul, yeah. Yep. I haven't watched either of those, but I understand they're very good. Uh, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. Um, now that we're thinking. Of, but yeah, the Game of Thrones prequel is going to be coming off. They, I guess they pitched uh, I don't know if I even want to watch that either. See, I do because... I'm kind of really, like, I'm, like, neck deep in, like, all the different conspiracy theories. and He's very invested. I am. <laughs> I am. I'm very invested in this. But what if they, like, totally butcher everything that's been built from the actual series? Like, there's always, that's the biggest danger. Like, it's not going to be any better than what you think it's going to be. It can only be worse, right? Well, I mean, the the books and the shows have diverged so drastically. I don't think that's really much of an issue and there's far less source material for the prequel so they're going to pretty much have to go off what you know has already been stated like they they don't really have to worry about okay we don't know where this is going to go because like most of the stories are going to center around are done like the 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 mythology has already been written so i guess in that sense you know, it's a little bit, uh, it's going to be a little bit more accurate. Yeah, but they do depict in the show that everything that you know about the history of that whole area isn't what everyone says it is. And that's kind of the fun of Game of Thrones, I feel like. You know what it could turn into? Or the into? dirtiness of Game of Thrones. It could turn into the Carrie Diaries, okay? So the Carrie Diaries oh, is the prequel to Sex and the City. And what it did is it kind of, so throughout the but series. But the sequel to Carrie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what it did was it took all of the backstory that you get on these characters uh, throughout these six seasons of this show. And, you know, it mainly focuses on, you know, the here and now, what the characters are going through. But occasionally you do get some backstory. They talk about, oh, you know, my dad wasn't a part of my life. And, you know, you kind of get to know a little bit of, of, of what happened to them, you know, throughout their relationships and stuff and, and how they met. And in, in, the, in the movies as well, the movies, they give you some background information. So the Carrie Diaries come along. And, and, and not to mention, Sex and the City is based off of a book. So not only do you have the book material, and the show did deviate from the book material, but it was pretty, you know, it, it, it worked. Um, so not only did you have the television series on HBO, you had the two movies, and you had the the book Six material. seasons of, you know... And two movies off of one book is pretty impressive. Seasons in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the Carrie two. Diaries went and just completely obliterated all of that. You know, Carrie, uh, the younger version of Carrie, her dad was around. And it's like, no, wait a minute. She was raised by her mom, you know, and uh, the succession of like how she met certain characters you know, the Carrie Diaries had her meeting Samantha first, and Samantha was one of the last people that she met. And, you know, the order was crucial to how Carrie became Carrie, you know, uh, towards the end of the series and in the movies and stuff. You know, how she became herself into her late 30s and early 40s. So, you know, the, I mean, if it the show on its own, if you divorce yourself from the fact that it's, Sex in the City related, it's a cute show, 
but it it's non-canonical like nothing non-canonical non-canonical yeah, it, it, it does not follow suit at all <laughs> and it's so i watched it so there's two seasons i watched both seasons it was canceled i think midway through the second season but they gave them the opportunity to wrap everything up um and uh, it was just disappointing it was just because you go into it knowing so much already, you know, some of the backstory and then, then to have them be like, okay, well, this is how we're doing it. It's like, well, no, that's wrong, but you don't want to be that person, you know, like, oh, you're wrong. You know, like the, you're wrong police, you know, the non-canonical police. Well, like know? the, uh, so. like the, you know, the people in, you know, who, who read the books for Game of Thrones. And then when it came out, like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Ha. But then, like, when everything split away from the books, it's like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. This is great. Right, but that's, I mean, so, I don't know. I could see it if they really developed characters and if they did an excellent job with the script and writing and whatnot and really stayed true to what they set up as far as a prequel goes, it could be good, but if they start to deviate and kind of just be like, yeah, so I know it said this in the book and, and, you know, we said this in the, in the television series, but we're just going to go off and do our own thing. Like well, that's a, kind of maddening to somebody who's a lot of, invested in it. We're pretty sure this is what happened, but like, you know, we only got one side of the history, you know, it's like the winners write the history yeah, book. That's, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the the battle when Ned Stark is going to save his sister in the in the tower, and yeah. everyone knows that he beat uh, I forgot the guy he, that he Arthur beat the guy Dane. in hand to hand combat. But that guy was supposed to, yes, thank you. But Dane was supposed to be the greatest fighter, and no one ever knew why. But they just knew he bested him. And then when you actually see the history, it's not this great epic thing. It's somebody shanking him from behind. Spoiler alert. And it had nothing to do with with Ned Stark. So I'll, like, I'll there's a whole lot of possibility of that. Yeah. Man, you really are into the lore. I've only seen it once. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I will say I got my mother addicted to it over the weekend. She's watched the whole first season in like a day and a half, oh, and wow. I, I gave her the second season yesterday. <laughs> well, when we, we when we uh, when we get people into it, like we got a friend of ours, they're like, "Oh, you haven't seen it?" Like, I'm like, "Oh man, there's like ice zombies and beheadings and incest and attempted child murder, and that's episode one." <laughs> 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 but uh, I think this has been a pretty good uh, starter conversation, but I really want to get into the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of the uh, of our, our topic today, and that's uh, Tia Beanie. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will get into uh, some connections, some spoiler territory as well. Uh, not too much, but uh, we're we're gonna get into to some stuff. So, <clears throat> so the it's only ten episodes, yeah, ten half hour long episodes. We're gonna totally visit spoiler country. So if you haven't seen this show, turn us off, go watch it, binge it, grab your favorite snack, have some fun, get cozy, grab your cat, and watch it. And then turn us back on or, and join us for the conversation. Or listen to us because... No, no, gonna... no. Keep us on mute. Keep us on mute. And then whenever you're done catching up, just put it back on a second time with the volume back on. Right, because we're going to give you some connections to some other shows, some Easter eggs as well to keep an eye out for. So. Oh, no. We're going to have a really, really 
grind my gears talk about this. I can feel it already. <laughs> All right, so we will be right back. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. (laughs) It's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkeys. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douche bags. Hey everybody, we are the Derailers, Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean, and you can join us once every week for a brand new derailment. It includes sidetracking, randomness, we just can't stay on topic. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Derailers. And please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Derailers! Hello again everyone, it's Mr. Most Days Off from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, here with a special message for you from Richie the Whiz Kid. You know... A town without best darn diddly is a little like the mule with the spinning wheel. No one knows how he got it, and danged if he knows how to use it. The name's WizKid, Richie the WizKid, and I come before you good fans of Springfield with probably the greatest podcast? Uh, it's not for you. It's more of a Shelbyville podcast. Now, you wait here just a minute. We're twice as smart as the people of Shelbyville. You tell us where to listen to best darn diddly, and we'll listen. I'll tell you exactly where you can listen to it. You can catch the Best Darn Diddly Review Show each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. So hop on the monorail and join us on this journey through the Simpsons series. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Ephes for Family. And you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. And we are back. You know how difficult it is to get your guests to do a live, uh, you know, you know, trailer for their own podcast while they're on your podcast. Very difficult, but Richie, you're really awesome at that. Yeah. Did you like how I did Miles' voice even in those? I thought that was pretty spot on. That was like I couldn't even tell it wasn't him. Like that was uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> It's really weird hearing yourself while you're on a podcast. I, I must say that. <laughs> I uh, I don't think I ever have. I mean, I'm listening to them back, you know, I've, I've heard stuff. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, doing it live is it's crazy. So, <clears throat> as far as disenchantment goes, 
I know, Ashes, you look like you are, like, chomping at the bit to say something. So I love this show. Was that it? That's Thank it. You. I just want to say I love this show. <laughs> so I heard about this a while ago when it was, like, still in pre-production. And I was really excited about it, you know, based on the voice talent that was coming over, based on the fact that it was a Matt Groening uh, project, based on the fact that Rich Fulcher was involved, who, if you are unfamiliar with Rich Fulcher, he is on the Mighty Boosh. He's like the one American guy. He's probably the funniest guy out of all of them. It's debatable. Uh, yeah, it is debatable. It's it's a tough choice. But he uh, he does a lot of voice acting. He's been on Bob's Burgers uh, just you know very recently. He's uh, got a very specific. He's he's got like a British comedy style, but he's American. Is basically the best way I can put it. Uh, so he does a few voices on the show, but he also helped write the show and produce it. So <clears throat> this combination got me really excited. Uh, it was the same as when I find out there's like a new Tarantino movie. Like I get really excited because like I know I'm going to enjoy anything that Tarantino <laughs> does. And this was no exception. Even Star Trek? Uh, I would. I think it would be an interesting uh, take on Star Trek. To be honest with you, I would. I'm oh, I absolutely want to see it. I'm not a huge Star Trek guy, but I did like J.J. Abrams' version, and uh, you know, I will definitely see anything Tarantino does. I don't care what it is. Like he could do a Penguin documentary, and I would watch it. That would be one. Oh my gosh! I want to see that right now. <laughs> Okay, there. A twenty-minute scene of two penguins just looking at each other, ordering ordering breakfast and talking about why they don't tip. Um, <laughs> the bill's not long enough for it. Because uh, they don't have pockets. Oh, he, Bill. Bill. It's a Bill. bird. Of course they do. They're wearing tuxes all the time. <laughs> Those oh. pockets are just ornamental. It's not a pocket. <laughs> it's just flaps. <laughs> uh, so. When we got a, just flaps. Yeah. When we got a chance to, to finally watch it, like I watched the first couple of episodes. She wasn't home, <laughs> but I watched the first couple episodes. I was like, this is so good. And so we rewatch. I've watched it like three times. <laughs> this is just such a great, um, a great series. Now, Richie, when did you uh, find out about this? When did you get into it? I found out about Disenchantment. I like I think it was back around when you did. I heard Matt Groening was working on something new that was going to take place in medieval times. And then for the last like four or five months, I kept getting the notifications on Twitter. I think that it was like three more months till the show debuts, two more. And then, you know, the month leading up to it, it was almost, if not once a week, or if not every day, then once a week at least, where it was notifying you it was coming up. And uh, the week it came out on a Friday, I sat down and watched the first two episodes passed out drunk, and then woke up the next day and continued watching it. So you got really into the spirit of uh, the character we're talking about today. Oh, absolutely. And and I just want to throw this out there. I've read a lot of reviews online, and to me it seems like it's kind of split on who likes this and who doesn't like it. And and I may be jumping a a little too far ahead here, but I absolutely love this show. I feel like it's nothing like Futurama, and I understand – all the theories out there already. It's got a similar writing 
acting staff and a similar voice acting staff, but I feel like it's a completely different show. And I, I really get annoyed the more and more I hear about people comparing it to Futurama. You can associate them in the same universe if you want to, although I can, I kind of disagree with that except for one scene, but I, I just, I hate people when Futurama came out, I was one of the few people actually watching it and I loved it for the first few seasons. And I feel like I'm in the same boat, but now there's social media. So it's like, I love Disenchantment, but people are talking about it the way people used to talk about Futurama before it's the cult hit that it is now, if that makes sense. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. And <clears throat> I think part of the um, the fact that people compare it to Futurama is, you know, obviously John DiMaggio and, and uh, yes. Maurice LaMarge and, and Tress McNeil doing voices because... And the animation style is much more Futurama than it is uh, Simpsons. You know, and, I agree with that completely. And there are a lot of, you know, like I was mentioning, you know, before the break, there's a lot of Easter eggs where it's almost like subliminal, like, "Hey, we did Futurama." Like even the the uh, animation director yeah. is Patrick Verone, who was the same, who had the same job with Futurama. You know, it's very similar writing staff. Um, but I think it's far enough away where it's got a lot of Simpson-esque humor, especially with like, you know, the, uh, like the, the, the signposts, like, you know, the, the sign for the, uh, the convent where it's like live prude girls. Like that's definitely a Simpsons joke. (laughs) Or the one that we missed on the on Twitter last weekend that I was trying to rush home so I could rewatch that Simpsons episode. Barnes for Nobles. Yes, yes, thank you. I forgot it again. Yeah, it was uh, Matt Matt Salmon, who is uh, one of the Simpsons producers, put out a tweet saying, you know, if you can get the connection between the Simpsons episode, The Surfsons, featuring, uh, you know, to tie in with our Game of Thrones uh, conversation, Nikolai <laughs> Coster-Waldo as uh, Marge's twin brother... Um, <clears throat> you know the connection. Which, I'm sorry, that was the funniest scene in that episode. I feel like. Oh, it was. It was. Um, you know, if you can guess the connections between that episode and Disenchantment, <laughs> you win a prize. But I misread it. I thought it was like The Simpsons in general. So I'm like racking my brain thinking of like all these Me crazy too, connections, yeah. and it ended up being a sign that said Barnes for Nobles. You know, that actually Bean bonks her head on at one point. But before we really get it, I want to get into some of these these connections. I know you have a few, so why don't you give us your list, and then anything that I have, I'll just cross off. Connections between Futurama and Disenchantment? And The Simpsons. Okay. Well, the obvious connection is you see the one that everyone's seen on line already is you can see a wig of fry's hair in the background in one of the scenes um i've seen pictures of the planet express ship in the background like really far away and then obviously we said spoiler alert but in the season finale episode when lucy's rewinding time with the crystal ball there is a screenshot of fry and bender and the professor in their forward time traveling machine Mm -hmm. um so those are all the ties where people think the universes are connected i 
Like at first I thought it was kind of a fun theory, but like when I was reading more about it, just how far people were taking it really bothered me. I was like, this is literally just an Easter egg. So they could be like, Hey, like you said, Hey, we made Futurama. Remember that show? And I feel like that's all it really is. Um, but there were some interesting theories about like which medieval period does the show actually take in if they are in the same universe. But again, I feel like they were just stretching it like way, way too far. And it's, I, I will throw this out there. I'm a little biased towards Futurama right now. I'm I'm in a disenchantment, a Simpsons, and a Futurama group on Facebook. Nice. And the Futurama group I'm in right now, it's like it's a private group. You go through a a series of like quote unquote trivia questions to get accepted into the group. But all they do is bash like every other cartoon show, and like they they shit on Rick and Morty all the time. I, they just had a new meme yesterday about Fox killing the Simpsons, and they have hundreds of comments in there, and I quote, Fox doesn't own, Di- the Disney owns the Simpsons now, not Fox, so this isn't even correct information, and of course I guess I'm just pooping on everyone's party, so people don't like that, but I, I just, I'm biased against Futurama right now because so many people nonstop all day just hating on all these other cartoon shows, and like every once in a while, you get the nice person that's like, "Hey, I love Rick and Morty too," or "Hey, I love The Simpsons too," or "Hey, I love Disenchantment." And I'm like, "I like this person. That's that's how I feel about it. Why can't we like all of it?" And let's be honest: after the first first four seasons of Futurama, the rest of it's garbage, with the exception of like five episodes at most. Garbage is a harsh word. I'm just really fired up about that. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> I I just wanted to add to your list. Um. Elfo's Bring outfit. me back in, buddy. There you go. Elfo's outfit is a little, uh, as they, as the French say, Bartesque. Um, you can, the coloring's a little off, but you can definitely see, you know, like I was saying earlier, like the subliminal. I say even his overall design in general is a little Barty. Bartesque. He's doing. Oh, it's the very band. reminiscent of Bart. Uh, Kissy is a combination of Lisa and Maggie because she has like the same spiky dress. But with the bow in her hair. Um, to add hmm. what one thing you said about Fry's hair at the Wigsmith, uh, Lisa's hair is also there. Um, yes. There are multiple three-eyed creatures throughout the series. Um, at one point, you see a skull that has three eye sockets. Uh, when they're walking through the woods before they meet the hooker fairy, an owl flies by. It's really quick, but the owl has three eyes. Uh, when they're in the forest and you see all the eyes around them, one of the creatures has three eyes. Obviously, oddball. And uh, my personal favorite, and this is the so. Thing, the real question is, who had sex with Blinky so much? Everyone, apparently. Um, <laughs> the thing that I think, uh, oh yeah, Zog's crown has a little like antenna that's Bender esque. And the thing that I, this is what I thought Matt Selman was referring to. The Lemon Crusade, uh, of course, the referencing Lemon of Troy, uh, one of the greatest episodes of all time. Um, you know, they talk about how they came back with a single lemon, but like they lost all kinds of all kinds of uh, warriors and soldiers just to bring back a single lemon. And Zog was never even going to eat it because he doesn't like sour things. <laughs> See, I thought that was the Simpsons. Great episode. Simpsons episode reference, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but that's what I thought they meant. So, <clears throat> if we are taking this, you know, with a grain of salt, you know, and saying that, 
okay, sure, the evident the the appearance in episode ten of the time machine, then this takes place billions, maybe trillions of years in the future. So at that point, is it really even a shared universe anymore? If if it ever was, that's uh, to you guys. But once the once the time machine gets all the way forward, they go back in time and restart. So it literally could exist anywhere in time. Yeah, but it's uh, they have to go through the Big Bang twice, and you have to go through the last proton decaying twice. So, what do you think? Yeah, there, ashes. I'm waiting to talk about Bean. Yeah. So, your first impression of Bean. I love her. Is that it, or did you have more? Well, no, I, I have more. Okay, because well, that's what you y- said you about the show. Cut me off. No, I absolutely love this character. I like the fact. So, um, you know, in uh, the other Matt Groening shows, primarily, you know, Simpsons and Futurama, the main protagonists are males. Like Futurama is pretty much about Fry and Bender, but mostly Fry. And Simpsons, initially, I believe it started out to be about Bart, but then they shifted and it was more about the adventures of Homer. But still, male. So you are presented with a female protagonist, with, which I love. But I also love the fact that she is an anti-princess. She is a rejection of all of the self-assured, rosy-cheeked, demure beauties that Disney has fed us since childhood. She is tomboyish. She is bucktooth. She's a teenager. Uh, she, and she just wants to live her life. And who can't, you know, male or female, like who can't relate to that? Just wanting to be able to kind of go wherever the wind takes you. Not really, and not that she was trying to run from her responsibilities. She just wanted to have the right to choose her responsibilities. And when we meet her, and one of the things I love is the first 20 minutes of the show, Princess Bean is throwing punches. She's on the floor of a bar. She accidentally impales her husband to be on a sword. She's fallen out of a castle. Yeah, like the sword thingy. Sword? Sword. What did I say? (laughs) Sword. That's how. Shut up. I've had a day, okay? The chair of swords is very swordy. Our listeners know that we record on Tuesdays, and this is the Tuesday after Labor Day. This has been the most Mondayest Tuesday ever. I am covered in, I smell like pickles, okay? (laughs) I smell like pickles. I've had a day. I'm calling it a sword. Shut your face. Bad guys with swords. What what do you call a person that tends to the night all the time besides the. or, you know, like somebody that's the right, the underling of like a king and they have, you know, a knight has his squire. The other word for squire. Steward. I was thinking of ward, but, you know, ward. Is I was it... going to wonder how you say that one. Well, same, same way. Ward. Ward. It's the ward sword. Are you done? Are uh, you done? The joke's me? killed itself with a sword. Let's go. <laughs> go ahead. Can I can I finish my train of thought, please? <laughs> please do. Oh no! Now I gotta find my train of thought again. I lost it. Derailed. God damn you, Patsy. We're the derailers. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I love this character. All she wants to do is get drunk and get high and have sex and pretty much escape the arranged marriage that her father, uh, 
who is Zog. Zog, yeah, but I was going to say who is Bender. John DiMaggio, John DiMaggio, that's his name, um, you know, has arranged for her and exercise her free will. Like, that's really much all she wants. And that's kind of why she drinks so much and she gets stoned and she tries to do whatever she wants, um, you know, is to, to exercise her free will. That's all she wants. She didn't ask to be a princess. <clears throat> she didn't ask for this life. She didn't ask for the situation that she was in. She didn't ask to lose her mom uh, so many years ago when she was a child. Um, You know, like she just wants to be able to be her own person on her own terms. Yeah. I mean, like the first thing we see her doing is cheating at a card game. Because the guy's like, oh, I have two of these. She's like, oh, well, I have three princesses. No, there's only two in your hand. Yeah, but I'm counting myself. Like... That's a very Simpson-esque thing to do. Uh, Richie, what about you? What was your first impression of uh, Bean when you first got a a look at her? I'm not going to lie. The joke that you just told about I wasn't counting me, that makes it three. Up to that point, I was like, I'm not sure. And then everything after that, I absolutely loved. Like, I, I I was hesitant to, I wanted to like the show so much. I wanted to like all the characters so much that I was worried that like I was putting too high of a bar in my mind. But after that first scene, I absolutely loved it completely. And and especially with Bean in general, going off of what Ash has said, like she's kind of like the brains of Fry mixed with the badassery of Leela. So like you mentioned it, that there's always the male centered shows on these, on the cartoons, but they literally made the female be able to get into these dumb situations and then also be able to, to solve it herself, which I absolutely loved about this. Like I completely believed everything she was doing in every episode. And I had fun watching her Homer it up or fry it up. And it it was cool to see that in a, in a different light and in a medieval setting. And I want to add on top of that. I love the voice character. Acting, <laughs> the voice <laughs> casting for the three main characters in the show, like Abby Jacobson, Eric Andre, and Nat Faxon. Like Nat, Nat Faxon, sorry, I, I the whole like devil and angel on her shoulder thing, perpetuating the thoughts that she's having, both good and bad. I think it's such a cool dynamic, and and Abby does a really wonderful job portraying Bean. And you want to see her succeed, but you totally understand all the feelings that she's feeling. But then she's going to turn around and kick someone's ass when they intrude on her, and I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I and like. Oh, go ahead, she go wasn't. Ahead. She wasn't made to be the nagging character that that Matt Groening has done in the past with certain female characters, and this is like yes. her show, and it's all about her, and and you got to love that. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Like, <clears throat> see, unlike you, I liked that first joke, and I liked the fact that she wasn't your typical princess. You know, starting with the thing that struck me was, you know, she wasn't blonde or brunette. She had white hair, which is not something you generally see. Like the only other character I can think of in a similar position is the girl from uh, the Atlantis movie with Leonard Nimoy and uh, Michael J. Fox. Well, see, I, I took it as like a play on like a Daenerys Targaryen type character. Yeah, I you know, just just the the white hair. That's that's you know kind of uh, poking fun at that almost. Like, you know what I mean? Or maybe she's the opposite of Snow White. Yeah, 
you know, instead well, she, of. I mean, know, she kind of is. You know, but there's some <laughs> great. She's things. no damsel in distress, that's for sure. No, and you know what you're saying. You know, she's trying to get away with everything she can, and she pretty much does. I mean, you know, her dad yells at her like, "Oh, you're gonna come. You know, you're gonna take that." those raggy peasant clothes off and you're going to come down dressed like a princess. And she's like, well, whatever you say. And just like takes her top off right there in the middle of the throne room. And he's like, anybody who looks at her gets their head chopped off. And then like that, you know, the guy walks in and is like, Oh boy, did I look at her? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of that, uh, like recurring, like, great humor centered around her. And a lot of it has to do with, like you said, Lucy and Elfo, because there's so, what, what, what? No, I just finish, finish your thought, please. And then I'm going to, I would like to add to that. Please. Because, you know, Bean is, you know, be, living a sheltered life in the castle where there's really no repercussions for anything she does. You know, I, that's where I kind of differ from your opinion, Richie. Like, I don't think she's, you know, as dumb as Fry or Homer. She just, she's lived such a sheltered life. She doesn't really have any concept of, uh, you know, any type of consequences for her actions. Because no matter what she does, she'll just wake up in the castle. She'll get brought back by Oddball or, you know, it might be humiliating, but... Or on the floor somewhere. yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's so weird to wake up on the back of a griffin and remember how you got there. You know, shit like that. <laughs> or how she, like, accidentally manages to kill someone every episode. Pretty much, yeah. You're like, I would never kill anyone. Oh, what about this guy? Unless they were trying to, you know, to hurt me or marry me or got in my way. You know, it's like. <laughs> but then you have you have Lucy, who is, you know, 100 percent evil demon like go and you know give in to your desires and you have elfo who's like i don't know anything i'm elfo like are you familiar with this i don't know i'm drowning <laughs> i'm elfo <laughs> yeah that was great help i'm drowning i'm elfo and he just walks away <laughs> but one of the things that i love and this is kind of playing on what richie said the elfo and lucy devil and angel type on her shoulders um lucy is her own personal demon it's been sent to her by these like witches warlock we we're not really sure who these two characters are but they're watching her through this crystal ball manipulating events around them. right and so they sent her this demon um as a wedding present the wedding that didn't happen but she still opened the presents um, which is something I would totally do, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Right? Presence. Hello. <laughs> um, but anyways, she is sent this demon who is supposed to just make her life a living hell. But she decides to, and, and I love this, play with her demons. Like, how cool is that? Like, it's such a play on words. But she becomes friends with her own personal inner demon and I just think that the symbolism of that is is really cool. Like, she's aware that he's there. She befriends him. She gives in to his whims because half the time she planned on doing it already. Yeah, you know? he's just a little nudge. She's like, well, I'm not sure. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. You know? Yeah. Like- yeah. And and Alpho is so innocent and kind of represents the 
naive side of of her you know where she hasn't really experienced life outside of dreamland and i love that the kingdom is called dreamland i just think it's it's so like cliche but cool Mm -hmm. um and you know so i think that and these are her only two friends yeah and she meets them in the first episode so she's gone through how many years of life with like no friends and then she meets this elf and has her own personal demon bestowed upon her. And she's just like, cool, I got friends now. Well, she's got an overbearing father. And most of the times when you're going to have a rebellious kid in, in your movies, it's because they've got an overbearing, overprotective well, it's because, father. Yeah, it, and it's usually stemming from some kind of like a, a event. You know, I don't want to use the term PTSD, but I'm just I'm going to say some kind of traumatic event that caused them loss to of a mother. be, yeah, the loss of a parent or you know something happening. Man, that's oddly specific. <laughs> well, it reminds me, uh, the first thing I thought of was The Little Mermaid. Like, she's like a... An R-rated Little Mermaid. Pretty much, yeah. Both 16, both headstrong, both like, I'm going to do whatever I want all the time and to hell with the consequences. Except she's I not don't a understand. No, she's not. But other than that, and she doesn't want to get married. She just wants to live her life. You know, she's like, oh, you know, before I enter a state of semi-permanent pregnancy, uh... Like, <laughs> they really tackle, like, some of the realities of the time period. Well, and it's a lot of the, the themes of fairy tales that we've been fed over the years. The plague cart. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, even when she's, like, being, you know, brought back up to the castle in the first episode, you know, like, tied to the, the oddball's chair, and she looks over at the... Uh, the guy in the stocks, and she's like, you want to trade places? He's like, no, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's, I mean, it's giving you the other side of the fairy tale. You know, like, there is a life outside of the main protagonist. Like, you know, in, say, Beauty and the Beast, like, we focus on, like, the romanticizing of Belle's life, but we don't see the hardships of... You know, the people that live in the village, you know, when she gets kicked out of the castle because her father's just like, you cut off, go live in the village and like be a a, a, a commoner and see how good you really have it. And she goes and she lives with her maid and the maid's like, no, 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 it's fine. You know, come live with us. You know, uh, she's like, well, why are you throwing garbage out your window? Oh, it's not a window. It's just a hole. We're too poor. Like the only reason we have a door is because a horse ate through it. And then he died, you know, like she's getting an idea of the plight of the the downtrodden, for lack of a better word. And she has good intentions. And this is where, you know, I think she kind of sways away from like the Homer Fry type uh, characterization, like the whole thing where she's supposed to be the ambassador for like the weird fish people, I forget the the, the Dankmeyer. Yeah, Dankmeyer. Yeah, the the weird fish people that he that uh, her father married, so they could build the canal. Queen Una. Yeah, they, uh, you know, she does a good job until she gets completely wasted and hangs upside down from the chandelier, 
and flashes everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lucy. But even when they get kidnapped by the Hicks, like she kind of talks them down and like, you know, is shows that she's good at diplomacy until the until her dad calls him Hicks. Well, I think that's going to play into the next season, too, because there's definitely a lot of questions about her heritage at the end of the season. Now, my question for you, Richie, is did you watch after the credits in episode 10? No, I didn't, but I read about it online. So I have a, I have, a couple I, I have of my own theory. So, Ashes, what else have you got for, uh, for Bean? I have her full name. Oh, go ahead. We kind of well, it's it's so it's hinted at because she says this, but she's also like really drunk when she mm-hmm. says her full name. So it's kind of is is this her name, or is, is she, she just, just saying that because she's drunk? Hammered. I mean, sometimes I like to make up names for myself when I'm drunk too. Like who doesn't flash back to a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> that was a fun night. So she cl- and I believe this is the episode where she is the ambassador. Yes, it's the ambassador. Yes, yeah. She announces herself as Princess Tia Beanie, Maria Beanie, De La Rochambeau, Drunkowitz. <laughs> and I really hope that's her real name because that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's another Simpson-esque type thing. It really is because they they do that a lot with a lot of their characters. Like uh, the first one that comes to, to mind, Hans Mole Man. Like his name is definitely a description of himself. Mm-hmm. And he is the king of the mole <laughs> people. How many of them are there? We'll never know. No. There is no escape from the kingdom of the moles. Except that. But you do kind of start to feel for this character. So we, we do kind of learn a little bit more about her backstory and what happened to her mother. And that's kind of a really sad situation. And are, are, so did we say, are we doing spoilers? Are oh, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't even imagine being put in that situation where you have this potion that can bring one person back to life and you're faced with, do I bring back my mother who has w- w- was poisoned and turned to stone all those years ago? Um, you know, so she's perfectly preserved. Or do I save my new friend, Elfo, who I've, you know, bonded with and have had all of these adventures with and has kind of saved my ass a couple of times? And is the reason that you have the potion... To right. begin with, because you needed a small amount of of blood. I only have a small amount of blood. Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't imagine being in that situation. <laughs> you know, do you save this person who you only have memories of? Or do you save this person who, you know, you have started to have feelings for? Like, uh, you know, I, I'm... She did give him some smooches. Well, she did, but I mean, like more as like a you know friendship. Like she, Alfo's her best friend. companion smooches. Yes, yeah, yes. platonic smooches. Uh, that, I thought it was more like opium smooches. <laughs> well, she I thought that it was too. yeah, yeah. Am I Alfo? But see what. <laughs> but what I loved about the show is that they made the more difficult choice because if this was on Fox or some other network. I, I and I'm not saying this is 100 percent true, but I feel like 
you knew what she was going to pick. You knew that she was going to make the right choice, but you completely understand why she makes the choice that she does. And I really love that the show did that because also it opens up all these other avenues now, but like it made it so much more like the last two episodes are so emotional in the show yeah. and, and you feel the weight of that because of the whole season, even with, with Zog, like he's been overbearing the whole time. But in the last few episodes, I completely understood why he was the way he was, and you kind of felt bad for him in a way. So I, I love that the show explored all these avenues and that the story is unfolding the way it is. And for being only 10 episodes long and for being the first season, they've done a lot of character development already. Like They're doing a really good job of creating these character arcs. And I'm really intrigued to see not only the development and some more backstory on Princess Bean, but, you know, her parents and what happened to, you know, what happens to Elfo. And this this show, I Elfo's mother. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just meant, like, who is Elfo's mother? I think she's a mermaid, by the way. Oh. Entirely possible. Um, I, I think the whole point of him going in the water is what's going to bring him back. Yeah, I, that's kind of the vibe I got after watching that scene, because it kind of looks like mermaids pull him ashore um, or manatees oh no these were definitely these, these <laughs> were hands and yeah. not, not flippers <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> but it it definitely Ooh, the mermaid song <laughs> it um it subverted your expectations like the whole time you're like oh i want the elixir of life so i can live forever and like they only they even say that line but like then you find out it's like no yep. she's petrified this isn't a statue like and, like, they slowly reveal, like, they show you everything, mm-hmm. and then they slowly reveal, you know, like, piece by piece, you know, you're like, oh, like, he doesn't want it for himself. And then you're like, well, who are these people? Why do they want, you know, these people that are controlling everything and watching the flame, you know, when making that guy feed the peacocks, even though they don't, he doesn't, they don't like him. Uh, <laughs> why are they kind of controlling everything and pushing everything into this direction you know like we see the 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 stealthiest assassin that goes to uh help bean retrieve the the amulet you know um you know why you know why does he you know they like like, oh, I thought you were supposed to keep anyone from getting it. Nope, not supposed to keep anyone. Just you. She can have it. You can. <laughs> and then, like, throws himself off the thing and lands on his sword. <laughs> <laughs> on his what? His sword. Yeah. 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 So. Is that like the word of the day? Uh, ah, you said the word of the day. Ah! We're going to somehow work that into uh into the title of the episode. Uh, but yeah, like it's, it's... Now I learned to sheath my sword. <laughs> Beans and S-words. <laughs> um, so what, uh, what are some of your thoughts and... and uh, and predictions of what's going on with Bean, like where her her mom is is going, and 
what happened to Lucy? What's going to happen to Elfo? Like, what's going to happen to the kingdom? Because everybody in the kingdom now is petrified. Well, I mean, at first they were Yeah, but that afraid. happened. At first they were afraid. They were petrified. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, this this has the makings of, uh, of a, what happened to another kingdom as well. So I feel like that it has something to do with mice and snakes or i forgot it's been a while since i watched that episode it was definitely snake people and mice people and i'm gonna have to like go back it's the same outcome that happened with the other mice people that it's the same treatment to the where they found the amulet at so clearly there's some foul play going on here and is Bean really as special as she's being made out to be, or is she special in terms of getting somebody else what they want and then they're going to toss her aside? Yeah, is is it going to be, you know, like a an Elfo situation? It's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring you here, we'll shelter you and everything, but we just want your blood. You know, they don't want her for her. They want her for the blood. Like, her mother doesn't love her. Her mother loves her blood, and she needs the blood to come... Some oh my god, is scheme. her mother Elizabeth Bathory? She <gasps> might be. That would be amazing. But her dad is going to go and fight for her because that's that's his his bean. And she's going to be torn between the does, two. Does her name have something to do with what her true purpose is? She's the magic bean. Come on, people. Oh, I thought you... I was thinking like the Drunkowitch or whatever it was. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, no! We're going to distill no, your just, blood. I was wondering if her first name had something to do with like a hidden power or something. They're going to plant her in the ground and create a beanstalk to go at war with a giant. That'll learn her. But I'm, I'm Elfo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to. Uh, uh, no matter how many times he did that, it made me laugh every single time. Like, oh yeah, it was never not uh, funny. It's like a Ralph Wiggum thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to see the development of the relationship between Bean and her mother. And we've kind of seen some glimpses of her mother's behavior. And, you know, clearly she's not the person that Bean has on a pedestal in her mind. You know, it's it's one thing to when you haven't had any interaction with anybody or, um, you know, with, with with a person, especially if when a loved one has passed, it's very easy to put them on a pedestal and just remember the good things and where she was a child when this happened to her mother. She didn't really she have probably, any memories. Well, she I was mean, one. She had some, you know, she like, very, one. you know, but like she all she knows is. Is she knows her mom through the stories that her dad has told her, and it sounds like her dad has really sheltered her with these stories, and almost sheltered himself with these stories too. Yeah, but because that's knows, what Lucy says. To yeah, her. she knows who her mother is through the eyes of other people, and it's so easy to come off as one thing and be something else. So I'm curious if you know kind of like a you know, wolf in sheep's clothing type. Well, I think a big a big uh clue was at the end when she's like, you know, hero, villain, you know, whatever and she's like, "Well, I, I didn't say villain." You know, it's like, "Why would you say villain?" <laughs> 
Right. But I'm so I'm curious to see the development of this relationship and to see if the queen is really as horrible as she's almost Im- implied to be at this point, you know, and and to see if if being becomes aware of it, you know, or if she's going to kind of stay blinded by these, you know, stories. It, it's easier. It's easy to be blinded by the glamour of things. I agree. You know, and and, you know, it was her choice to bring her mother back versus bringing Elfo back. And I, I have a feeling that there's going to be like a, a, a point where Bean is kind of torn between this, her parents. Yeah. Like she's going to have this inner quarrel. Um, you know, did I make the right decision? Did Was I supposed to do this? You know, maybe things were better the way that they were. You know, maybe... And the only the only like influence she's gonna have is her mother. Right. Right. You know, so maybe the person that she learns her mother to be is not who she thought she was and all of these illusions that she had of her mother just are completely broken. Richie, what do you got on that? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if you found out her mother was more than just a one-dimensional character i could see her easily being becoming a big villain but like i wouldn't be surprised if like at a mid-season break that it switches and you see she's trying to save like a whole kingdom of people and she brings up the point where there's more than one kingdom in the world and we're trying to protect all people like i could see it going on that route so to speak what i'm more interested in is if they do bring elfo back and you know bean will inevitably cross paths with lucy and elfo again what is that first interaction with Elfo like? Because Elfo has no idea. He doesn't know that that she picked her mother over Elfo. And like, how's that going to mess with him? Or are they going to like bring him back, but he's going to have his whole memory wiped and they have to start over? Because um, honestly, with me, I feel like the best interactions on the show are when it's just the three of them, but when Lucy and Elfo are acting opposites, when Elfo has kind of the mean streak in him, or when Lucy's showing compassion that those are the best moments of the show when all three of them are actually kind of being the same person and you're never going to have that moment again unless you know maybe lucy uh, and elfo go out to try to help her out and then find out she didn't need saving after all because she already escaped well i mean you're going to have multiple for lack of a better word warring factions so you're going to have dankmeyer on one side and oddballs on their team uh you're going to have the king by himself. Well, but we're not 100% certain of that either. Like, he's appearing to be on... He appears to have his his hands in everyone's business, which is honestly, like, what I what, what I find so intriguing about him is it's he's never really clearly drawn lines. He's giving sound advice to every faction. Yeah. No, I hear you, but I, I think... I mean, it's an interesting character. I think regardless of where his loyalties lie... Um, you know he's kind of like the 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 little the little finger of the group, but he is yes. uh, like there's there's going to be multiple factions you know at odds with each other. There's going to be you know um, you know Bean and her mom going back to her, those weird sorcerer people. There's going to be supposedly we don't even know if that's true yet. True, yeah. <clears throat> um, there's going to be. Uh, you know what's his name? Uh, 
Zog by himself trying to figure out what to do. Because he's going to have to recruit somebody. He, you know, I know they talk about him being a, a, a great warrior, but you know, he had to go sit down because his clothes were too heavy. <laughs> so it's it's going to be very interesting, and I think no matter what we try and guess, it's not going to be it. Like I'm sure they've had yeah, they've already proven thing. that they're going to take chances on some of the storytelling elements in the show, and I love that. Yeah, because I did not. You know, I didn't really see the way some of these things happen. Like, I didn't see it coming. Like, you know. Yes. Like, Lucy was the same character over and over. Then, like, towards the end of the series, he starts starts kind of, like, you know, showing compassion here and there. And, like, not being a jerk all the time to Elfo. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, that's what I said. Those are my favorite moments, when he acts compassionately and Elfo acts... With a little anger inside of him, like, like when it's, he slaps it, I think. With his tail. <laughs> I think Bean is influencing them just as much as they're influencing her. And I think that's part of her specialness, for lack of a better word. It's her charm. I mean, the three of them—they're all pretty much loners, and they found each other, and. You know, now they're all like friends and obviously they're all going to like play off of each other. You know, your personality is like I'm sure other people can relate. Sometimes you adopt the personalities of some of your friends. You know, sometimes if you're a little bit bitchy and you have a friend who's really nice, sometimes you can find yourself being a little nice, you know? Yeah, well, I get you. And you're like, God damn it. My fucking friend is rubbing off on me. Oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to have to kill her now. What? No, I, oh, that, is that just me? <laughs> no, I, I, I can, <laughs> no, I'm I can joking. Really, no, you're not. Joking. Joking. Yes. Oh, yes. For any law enforcement. Grab your sword. <laughs> <laughs> I swore it wasn't me. <laughs> so I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap up because we could go on for a lot longer about this character. But I don't want to cover. Yeah, every I'm surprised like how much aspect. more I want to keep talking about it. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to cover every single aspect to the point where it's like, well, why are we even bothering to watch the show? Like, <clears throat> yeah, we spoiled some stuff, but there's still a lot that goes on in the show. Like watching the journey from cheating at a card game to leaping off a tower into the ocean at the end of the last episode like it's a very emotional First episode's journey. So for good, her. it is. Well, and and not only that, like watch the show because the show's delivery for some of these one-liners so much better than Patrick's delivery. So and do if yourself you watch a favor two or and three watch times, it. You're I don't know you did a pretty them. you did a pretty good Elfo. I'll give you that. Oh, thank you, thank you. I've been practicing all week. Not really. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think we'll uh, go ahead. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will uh, wrap things up and uh, give you a preview of what's coming up next week. So, stay tuned. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big scary monster haunts in midnight is a collection of dark songs about sex, love, death, revenge, and the end of the world. Brought to you by the world's Monster Hunting Electro Show. 
Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. Hello, this is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. Patrick Ray Hall, in the motherfucking house. 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 And we're back. <clears throat> so, first off, Richie, thank you for uh, joining us today. I appreciate it. Ashes appreciates it. Our listeners appreciate it. I very much appreciate you inviting me on for this one. And uh, again, sorry about my my connection here. I am on a little bit of a lag tonight, so I don't have delayed responses. I've been acting in real time. I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh, lousy dial-up modems. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you are... Uh, and you've been on the show before, and I've been on your show, but uh, you're in the midst of season six of The Simpsons, and uh, you are currently yes, in the middle sir. of a, a two-parter, Bart versus Australia, which uh, we just want to let people know where you're at in the seasons. <clears throat> so, I appreciate that. Yes, we are midway through Bart versus Australia, which I believe is season six episode 16 i don't we had to record a few out of order because we had mike reese come back on the show so that was that was a very exciting interview oh, yeah. so i believe that's episode 16 uh i think you're you're correct uh this is another two-part you've had several two-parters uh <clears throat> yeah um, it kind of worked out where miles had to take some vacation time to go teach scuba diving in other countries um, so we had a few guests on where the conversation ran a little long, so that kind of gave us a little bit of wiggle room when we when we make a two-parter. And even though we had a long conversation with Mike Reese, we did decide to make that a one-parter only. So that way we didn't break it up every single time. Well, that, that last one that you did, uh, the first one, was uh, excellent. I really enjoyed that, and uh, I did buy his book. Thank you. So, um, but uh, we have... Uh, some battle results we got to talk about. We do. We do. So, um, last week we had the uh, giant shark battle, and the question was, if you were to go after a giant shark, uh, and you could take one crew with you, would you take the crew from uh, the Meg, which is uh, Suyin, Jax, and Jonas Taylor? Would you take the crew from Megalodon, which was uh, Captain Streeper, Commander Lynch, and Chang. Would you take the Jaws crew, Quint, Hooper, and Brody? And I'm blanking on the last one. Or would you take the Sharknado crew, Sharknado. which is Finn Shepard, <clears throat> April, and Nova? And by a... Oh, well... Oh wow! Did you uh, did you not see it on uh, Twitter? 
It's what first of all, what's Twitter? And secondly, <laughs> I don't know how you take any crew other than the Sharknado crew. I mean, they've done it six times. Well, they've done it throughout the history of time after the sixth one. So I would say that. However, I I want to help plug your show too. So I guess you could also throw in Megalodon's crew as well, since you so thoroughly and joyfully seem to enjoy that as well. Uh, they actually got the second most votes. Um, but fell far behind the champions of shark catching, the originals, Quint Hooper and Brody. Uh, they got really. Six, they got sixty percent. Uh, How? <clears throat> they killed one shark. Yeah, but he was big. I mean, but he wasn't that. Big. It was only on the screen for like five minutes. They didn't even have a big enough boat. You could argue they used a tactic that would not work in real life. You can't blow it up like that. You can totally chainsaw through the middle of a shark repeatedly. That is a proven fact. Yes. No, I, I, I know. Well, if you go by the book, and I don't know if you know this, Richie, but in the book, the shark dies of exhaustion. Oh, okay. So he old man in the sea did it. Pretty much, yeah. Or old man in the sea did it. Um. And uh, everybody, I don't know. everybody died. Not one of those things. Brody. That's the sword. I think it's it all comes down to Robert Shaw's charisma on screen, and just the way he played. <laughs> that that might be very true. <laughs> However, I will say uh, they got sixty percent, but thirty percent of that went to uh, the Megalodon crew. That's who I chose. Yeah, and. Someone wrote in LL Cool J from Deep Blue Sea, and that was the other 10%. <laughs> I mean, he was the chef. He knew what he was doing. And he had a bird. So, I mean. And didn't? And he shot the gun, at, or he shot the spear gun at the end as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's practically a pirate. Like, he was efficient. Yeah. So... <laughs> champion of this uh, week is the Jaws crew. The the crew of the Orca. So. <clears throat> Congratulations. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. That's right. What do they win? Uh, they win chum? Yeah, you get to be their <laughs> chum beer. for a week. <laughs> Wait, like chum like friend or, or they're going to be ground up into fish food? Well, when you aren't, aren't, they, like, aren't they one and the same? When you examine it like that. Sounds like another good poll question. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what do we got going next week? We got an interesting character next week to coincide with a a theatrical release. Yes, I spent my Labor Day weekend watching any and all movies that mention the Predator. That's right. We are talking about the Predator. Yeah, we're not just a predator. We're going to be discussing the, the Yautja as a uh, predator. Yautja as a whole species. Yeah, we'll be get through the chopper. <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, that's in Alien versus Predator Requiem as well. Just go get to the chopper. Oh God, so bad. Oh, uh, but yes, uh, <laughs> that that is who we'll be discussing next week, and. Um, <clears throat> we hope you'll join us for that one. And uh, Richie, one more time. Can't uh, wait. You know, I I know you're not familiar with Twitter, but I uh, 
I, I hear you have a Twitter uh, account. Uh, did you want to go ahead and plug that? Oh, absolutely. I have to shamelessly self-promote when I can or else you know I won't be allowed back on my own show. I am at the whiz underscore kid 23. Our show is at best darn diddly. That's D-I-D-D-L-Y. You can follow my co-host Miles at Mr. Most Days Off. And you can f- find whatever you want to best darn diddly related at bestdarndiddly.com. We're also under the same name on Facebook, Instagram. And you can follow – or excuse me, you can find our show on pretty much any kind of podcasting streaming app that you can get your hands on. So look for us any and all places. And we appreciate everyone tuning in each and every week with us. And uh, I'm kind of uh, jonesing for some behind the diddlies. I haven't uh, gotten my behind Miles the and I were talking fix. about that when we were <laughs> when we went to a podcast convention the other week. We were talking about that, but we got sidetracked with coming up with Simpsons trivia. Well, if you ever need a hand with that, I we've can... been a little. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was saying, the lag if, caught me there. If, <laughs> I was if, trying to listen to you. If you ever need a hand with that, I will. Uh, I will certainly lend you some crazy Simpsons trivia. Although I think you guys got that pretty much uh, handled. Miles rejected every one of my questions from my first quiz I did because I made them incredibly hard, and I thought the easiest question was "What's the Simpsons address?" And that was our toughest question in the trivia we ended up doing, and not a single person got it right. Seven forty-two Evergreen Terrace. Thank you. I knew that there's some like low level Simpsons questions I could ask that some people would know. Except I knew I could count on you, Patty Cakes. It was different <laughs> earlier in the show. It was like four twenty five. The episode with uh It changes the first few times. Yeah. Especially the episode where Jimbo comes uh Jimbo is making out with Laura, the girl next door, Laura Powers, and uh Bart pranks Mo to get him to come to the house, and he tells him a different address that's not 742. Kind of throws me off. I don't like it. Well, you could play off the fact that people think Mo has always known it's actually Bart, so Mo just didn't listen to the fake address and went straight there anyways to play a prank on him. Oh, that's a good theory. But, uh, all right, I think that's going to b- about do it, unless you have any other uh, final thoughts, Ashes? No? She's uh, shaking her head no. So. Swords. 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 So. <clears throat> she loved it. So thank you again, Richie. And uh, everybody check out Best Darn Diddly, part of the Somebody's Network. And uh, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.